0: Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R.R. R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and chastise its childish adaptation, Game of
1: Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing.
0: And here with me is Julia.
1: Hi everyone. And
0: we both write for fandomfollowing.com, the best of geeky media and the light mm-hmm. in the grim dark. We will push forth yes. and demand change
1: and yay, yes we can. Um, yes, we can get people to stop Killing women who like women.
0: Oh, that would be glorious! I'm telling you, I'm yeah. telling you, Grimdark is on the way out. Pirate narratives are going to be on the rise. Where will we get bisexual
1: pirate narratives?
0: Bisexual pirate, all the bisexual pirates. Uh, mm-hmm. So look, let's call a napkin a napkin. Julia mm-hmm. likes when I talk about napkins. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, did he mean sanitary napkins or like serviettes? No, oh,
0: okay. So Rick Santorum held up a napkin and he said you can call this a paper towel but it is still a napkin therefore marriage was it a is between paper napkin? therefore marriage is between a man and a woman
1: it's, what a strange analogy
0: it's rick santorum i mean pennsylvania doesn't really produce the highest quality politicians
1: i mean like his point was like how many legs does a horse have if you call a tail a leg right yes Did so he just made it bad I, the answer, by the way, is four because just because you call a tail a leg, it doesn't make it a leg.
0: Right. So just because you call marriage between two men marriage doesn't make it marriage, except it does
1: legally. It, so it, it does because because marriage is like, a legal institution that you can define as you like. Really.
0: Anyway, in spirit of calling it is you know calling shit <laughs> for what it is. Trump mm-hmm. won the election. Uh, this was a yeah devastating he won it fair and square. This was a devastating, devastating blow to progressivism ish we're gonna there's there's silver linings and uh this was something that is very viscerally terrifying for a lot of people i myself yeah. didn't really sleep the past three days i got i finally got like over four hours last night so that was the first i barely time.
1: slept and i'm not even american
0: um you have probably read articles telling you what to mm-hmm. do to survive an autocracy and you've probably seen the articles saying this brexit we've got putin we've got france headed towards a conservative election mm, world war 3 is on the horizon um i have finally reached a place where i don't have that worry i don't have the worry that like we won't have elections in the future cuz cuz that that was a fear charismatic mm-hmm. dictator he's in power that's it I don't have that fear, but I am still really, really afraid for what the shadow government, Pence, probably, Bannon, what these people are going to be doing in his wake while he is just being a fucking idiot.
1: Mm-hmm. And I say this after- and It's always the people who, like, you know, are most vulnerable. Who there's talks of a Muslim- re- Kind of the first. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. There's, there's talks of a Muslim registry, you know- we're absolutely never going to let that happen. I I'm going to tell you guys this right here. I'm going to urge everyone to do the same. If there are lists for Muslim registries, I'm putting my name on that list. We should all put our names on those lists. That's what you do. But I don't think I don't think we're on a slippery slope into the third Reich. I really don't. I've after careful careful contemplation and studying of Donald Trump's tweets <laughs> The man is a fucking idiot who doesn't believe in anything but Donald Trump. And he's courting a very dangerous alt-right movement. And I'm not going to pretend there's not a danger there. But we Mm -hmm. have systems and we have non-governmental organizations. We have the ACLU. We have things that will protect citizens and will survive. I'm really terrified about climate change. That's what I work in. I'm going to be trying to switch careers and join grassroots movements that are pushing for a carbon tax. I think it can happen. So, it's not doom and gloom. I'm actually kind of feeling okay about things. At peace, at any rate. Able to sleep. However, this is a time for levity. This is a time to <laughs> treat yourself because self-care is so so important right now.
1: And yeah, self-care is not being selfish. No. Remember that you can't you can't do anything for anyone else if you don't take care of yourself.
0: Uh, that is absolutely true. It is preservation. Self-care is not, you know, oh, they're not going to come for me, so I'm going to hide. That's not what we're talking about. But what yeah. we're talking about is that you're absolutely not selfish for watching another Supergirl episode when, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you could be doing something else. Or if you're just not feeling right, staying in bed, taking a day off work, doing what you need to do. And in our case, and me and Julia's specific <laughs> case self care is recording an emergency UBS podcast that is going to be about two of our favorite things. Number yes. one, Damien, the ship with Damon Sand and Ariane Martel. And yes. number two number two, Julia's fanfic.
1: I would not have agreed to this if I didn't feel so sorry for Kylie this week. Yeah. Just, I want everyone to know that. I'm not the kind of person who records podcasts about her own (laughs) fanfic.
0: She's a little bit of a narcissist, it's fine.
1: (laughs) I'm a lovable narcissist, She, She
0: is a lovable narcissist, just like (laughs) Joletta. Yes. I kind of only want to talk about... uh, Now I kind of only want to talk about your fanfic.
1: I have to do whatever you want.
0: No, um... Well, because, like, what's there to even say about Damien besides, like, just
1: angsty groaning? Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, they're obviously in love. Obviously. And it's obvious. And that's kind of like, I, we only ship them because they ship themselves so hard. <laughs>
0: and there's just like hurt. It's Han and Leia in Empire Strikes Back to a T. Yes. To an absolute mm-hmm. T. It, you know, Damon is- It's also
1: Marceline and Princess Bubblegum.
0: Oh my god, yeah. And Damon is pretty much just like, come on, I'm just your problem. Tell me that you care about yeah. me. and the, And the princess is like, I will do no such thing, but we can have sex. And you're like, um, okay, calling you out on your bullshit a little bit. It's just the perfect, perfect shipping Mm -hmm. aesthetic. I I can't describe it any other
1: way. I mean, I I find it quite compelling. And (laughs) the only thing is, like,
0: we both think that one or both of them will die. Um. (laughs) Maybe before they fuck again?
1: Uh, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm afraid that will happen, but, like, just, I think. Pretending to know what will happen in the winds of winter is just pure hubris. So, oh,
0: absolutely! But I, what I mean is, Joey and I have and there, both there like are things I definitely don't want to happen. Before being
1: like, "So, who are that's we very George is never going to do this. But yeah, there's things I want to happen that I'm definitely not counting on. <laughs> all right.
0: Um. Yep. That's all I got on Damien. Let's talk about your fic.
1: Oh my god, you're so horrible.
0: I love you. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, Julia, you're fic, so let's, for anyone who doesn't read fanfic, or anyone who doesn't like fanfic, or hasn't tried fanfic, or who says George R. R. Martin hates fanfic, why are you writing this, what are you hoping to do with this, and why are you such an asshole?
1: Is that a question? Yeah. Do I have to answer? Yeah. Um, well, I know, the first fanfic that I wrote, um, uh, The Princess and the Scepter, and I just, like... I had this, like, story kind of in my brain that I really, really wanted to tell. And I couldn't tell it in any other context, but in the context of A Song of Ice and Fire. And, like, I've, I've never been against fanfic, but I know I guess I did see it as a waste of time. You know? That's, like... Because, like, that, you know, transformative you could, you could, or... I, I, I... You know, I never really saw fanfic that way until I started writing it and, like, you know, kind of really reading the discourse around fanfic, but, um, I didn't, like, I just, like, the, the, you know, the argument, the argument that George Martin actually makes is that, you know, it's a waste of time because you should be writing your own stories, you know, you should, you should be building your own worlds, Right. but, I don't know, just, like, it, it and I thought at the time, like, I said at the time, like, I think this will be the only fanfic I write because... this was the story I wanted to tell. And it just happened to be in this universe. But... Because
0: your your story, what I love about it, and for mm -hmm. anyone who doesn't know, very loose overview, is that this takes place after Marcella arrives in Dorne, but before the Dornish chapters begin. And it's Mm -hmm. it's very contained. It's seven chapters, right? Seven? Yeah, I did
1: that on purpose. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's alternating point of views of... Marcella Septa, Septa Eglantine, yeah. who is canonical. She's a canonical character. Yeah. Well she's and, she's a canonical name. And yeah, and Ariane Martel. Yeah. And the issues explored and, and what I think why you had to tell it in this universe, it was about patriarchy and specifically issues with like fathers and the place of women. And you know, you've you have a Septa who is probably the most disempowered. She came from, you know, a family that just had too many kids. She was kind of large. She got shipped off to the septs, And then she had to completely buy into this religion and devote herself to it. And true, and she does truly believe it. And use that and sort of protect a child in that way. And she's put in this land that she doesn't understand, she can't relate to. And she's clashing with the person who probably has the most female agency in this patriarchal setting possible.
1: Mm-hmm. But like, at the same time, they're both kind of still affected by the same, they're, they're affected by the patriarchy in not identical ways, obviously, but in similar ways, especially in one particular area. Um, (laughs) Is it, is it their father's? Yeah, it's their father's. And just like, they, like their, their womanhood and the feelings they have about their father and just being, you know, not what he wanted, not what he expected, not what he needed. Mm -hmm. And kind of feeling a failure because of that is something that they have in common.
0: It's sort of the way that the more you think about Brienne versus Kat, Mm -hmm. the more, like, your heart kind of breaks for Brienne's devotion to Kat, like, in retrospect, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, I'll be perfectly honest. I... I had tried to write fanfic very loosely a really long time ago. Basically, I was writing smutty fem slash when I didn't realize my sexuality. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, fem slashing in the Legend of Core Legend of Cor- uh, uh, Legend of Zelda universe. Um, with there are two women in the Legend of Zelda universe: Malin and Zelda, dude. Yeah. Okay. Well, I knew there was Zelda. Yeah, so <laughs> Zelda, and then Zelda... Well, it, it, it wasn't simplistic, because basically what happens in Ocarina of Time is that, like, Zelda is worried about this guy Ganondorf, because he's, like, fucking crazy, and he wants to take over the world. Mm-hmm. So she says the only way we can... Of could, course. The only way we can stop him from taking over the world is if we get to the Triforce first and protect it. But in doing so, it mm-hmm. kind of poetically creates the space for Ganondorf to seize it. And the world falls into darkness. And what she does is she goes into hiding for seven years and learns how to train as a Sheikah, which is kind of like the ninjas of the universe. And, like, mm-hmm. has this, like, sort of resistance narrative going on. Uh Ultimately, Link is the hero and she just gets trapped into Crystal and you save her. But, hey, like, for <laughs> a cartridge video game in the 90s, you know? You. And and then Malin was sort of, like, she had her farm overtaken by a really bad dude because he was a Ganondorf supporter, but she stayed because mm-hmm. she was worried about the animals and she kind of like couldn't do anything to act against them. So it's femme slash with them. That was, okay. the fir- that was the first fan, that was the first fanfic I ever wrote. And it was like before I had started dating women. And I was just like, this is weirdly compelling. But that, th- that's the only fanfic I ever wrote, the only fanfic I ever tried. And, um, my other impression of it had only come from Harry Potter forums. And I was like, what the fuck am I reading? This is terrible. So when Julia told me, hey, Kylie, I think I want to write a fanfic. I cringed. And I had this, like, second-hand embarrassment. And then I started talking, like, planning it and help it and, like, talking through that process. And then I suddenly got really excited by the idea of something plugging in, like, canon. Like, filling in the gaps and the excitement of what is it like to build out Eglantine, and who, is Dre actually fucking Ariane every day? And like all these weird. Totally is. Yeah, and like well, not
1: every day. Only when she feels like.
0: It. Only when she feels like it. And like, of course, he's like, you know, Ariel with the pillows and the stretching. <laughs> and she, and she can find, but it's like all these details that you like would think about. And then, and then Julia's saying, uh, "I'm going to make Ariane go for like a ride in the morning because you exercise in the morning." <laughs> but it's just like all these all these complexities you you wouldn't consider and it's how i got over my fic phobia it's how i started writing my own fanfic i i don't set it in this universe i set it in legend of course universe but um mm-hmm. yeah
1: it's just well, like the thing that like um fanfic did for me was make me feel like a, i mean i think my blog did that first but just like i could i always wanted to write fiction and i never could just i i don't know why but um just having the scaffold of somebody else's like universe is very liberating in a way and it it like I think it it lets a lot of people write who never would. And yeah, like most fanfic is crap, but you know <laughs> you've obviously never read a slush pile if you think that's only true of fanfic. Yeah.
0: I think I think that's true too. And like, you know there's also something to be said, like, oh fanfic's bad, fanfic's bad. Fanfic's where people are getting their start. Like Fanfics where people are figuring this shit out for the first time. Fanfics is where people are trying to think about what character voice means. And I was a little overwhelmed by how accomplished Julia was at it out of the gate, because this was Ariane. You're getting really embarrassed. Can you hear her sucking her breath? Um... <laughs>
1: I just, I spent a lot of time thinking about that character.
0: Cause this was Ariane and this was Oberon. And like, we spent so much time thinking about Ariane ever. And that voice yeah. just resonated. And it's kind of the same way where my first fanfic was about Asami. And everyone was like, I can't believe you got the voice down. It's like, well, I don't stop thinking about her. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, like, um, I, I don't want to imply that there's something wrong with like fanfic that people write that is not like,
0: oh no, 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 no! That's not what like, I. That's not the point I was.
1: Trying yeah, like to make. if if you want to write a story about like you know like Jenny and Harry fucking in the library or something like that, like go ahead, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like get get what it is that you want out of it, out of it, and just.
0: Well, explore your absolutely <laughs> yeah. explore your sexuality, Julian. Kind not, of, it's
1: not even just like the sexuality part. Just like you know, like you know, if, if you just want to put something down on paper that you've just imagined in your brain, just. Yeah. just do it it's fun you'll, it doesn't matter see. that Ginny would never say that it's fine
0: absolutely and uh, I mean we both
1: have a fetish for canon compliance but we won't impose it on the I'm,
0: people I'm feeling less and less warm fuzzies about canon compliance lately
1: yeah well I know what you mean I want to write a canon
0: divergent fic with Ginny and Luna getting together besides the point <laughs> But no, like I'm not saying if Julia had been shit at it, then like our friendship would be over. I'm just saying that this is a fic that this is a fic that's really, really worthwhile.
1: Well, I I... spend a lot of time wondering if it really is shit, and she won't tell me, so it's fine. No, and and I think the
0: feedback you got from it sort of bolstered Mm -hmm. your confidence into going into something way more freeform with your next fic.
1: Yeah, well, I don't. It was just I have no idea where this idea came from. Because I really liked the culture clash element of uh, Princess and the Scepter. And I think it was like we all were a little frustrated when The World of Ice and Fire came out and we still didn't know Mama Martell's name.
0: Oh my god. So, yeah, so, okay, again, mile, mile high <laughs> overview. This is called The yeah. Wedding and Sun Spear. And Mama Martell, the mother of Doran, Ellie, and uh um, doesn't have a name. <laughs> In canon, yes. In canon, but Julius uh, gave her the name Loresa, and it's a fic about her wedding, and it's from all these point of views, like so many point of views, the best point of views.
1: (laughs) Well, it's just like
0: basically like half the characters are original characters. It's it's the Great Dictator effect. I'm allowed to I'm allowed to mock
1: him. Okay, um, (laughs) but I don't just somehow this like story. Like these characters of like Lareza and Elliot and like uh Danny, and kind of just like yeah, they kind of like sprang fully formed into my brain and they started like being in a story. And, but like the story, like kind of really changed as I was like really getting serious about writing it down because at first, like it's kind of like you know how at, when we were first becoming really big Ariane stands, we were like imagining her sex life as something that oh we yeah, we're, kind of it's really so crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's fucked everyone in Doran and it's so crazy.
1: Yeah. Sonya's like, yeah.
0: what are you doing?"
1: Laurie was kind of like that too. I mean, there's there's something that you uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's something that originally was going to happen that I decided shouldn't happen and Kylie starts forgiving me for it, but I was it was definitely the right decision. But um Um no, it was the worst decision ever. <laughs> it's done now. I can't change it. Um That's The jig she is up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I suppose it's not a spoiler anymore because it happened. But yeah, I was going—I was going to have Laurie and um uh, have sex like when she propositioned him. But, but then yeah, she was upset happen.
0: because she also seeded the uh, Laurie having yeah. her period, so that we know whose kids are whose and stuff.
1: Like, you yeah. Know, well, the... I just—I I didn't want people to be annoying and be all like, "Oh, is Doran really Henry's uh, Henry's son?" Oh my god! No, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. You mean Rollin, but yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that's well, that's why I made sure that she, like, you know, menstruated. Oh, 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 oh <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. So people oh, okay. wouldn't think that she was pregnant, like, um, right at the beginning of the story. Fun fact, by the way,
0: Julia sometimes comes to me and she's like, I need names for people in my fic. <laughs> so I've given her the name Petra for Ariane's maid in uh, yeah. in, a, in, in a, uh, The Princess and the Septa. I have given her Frid for Orman's manservant. I think so, and I've given her the name Henrik for her paramour. So, any Stephen yeah. Sondheim fans, please tell me you know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> but um, at the most of the characters actually kind of came into existence when I wrote the Germanus Personae. Yeah, which and is when I the did moment, the I uh, think,
0: family trees for them, right?
1: Yeah, well, that was that was like a while into the... but like um. That was kind of like the moment I knew that this would be something like a monster that I'll never be able to control, because <laughs> just like it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing, and like all these people, I would like make them up, and like they would have backstories, but I just like made these people up, but their backstories were there and they existed, and I had to write them down. <laughs> you know, like I have to tell this crazy backstory I made up about about Arian and Lady Corgil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, so that's just like.
0: I don't think you guys understand like when I say Julia and I are alpha readers of each other's fic like alpha readers so I'll come to her and I'll just be like Mm -hmm. "Uh, yo is it reasonable that Toph would have had sex with these people and she'd be like yeah (laughs) so then she'll come to me and she'll be like tell me something unique about Deneza and I'll be like she doesn't like lemons yeah and
1: that's that yes she doesn't like citrus, it's like her great shame in life that she doesn't like citrus root.
0: Well, she likes oranges better, that's all. Even though she's, she, a, even though she's adult. She'll
1: eat oranges, but like, she's not she's not into it, yeah.
0: No, she's not that into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but the, and we know where remembered. everyone is on the Kinsey scale and things like that too. <laughs> we talk these things out.
0: And I still say the Kinsey scale is a
1: little bit of bullshit, but yes, we yeah, do. Yeah, of course do. the Kinsey scale is bullshit, right?
0: Yeah, but no, we we have like a lot of these weird, mm-hmm. weird conversations. Um, I think what did this for me, because like, like any fic, you know, the first few chapters you're kind of sliding in and trying to figure out uh, personalities. Lori is very obviously Ariane, but she's um, just Ariane who's used to authority and Ariane who d- isn't in constant crisis.
1: Yeah, and Aryan who um, doesn't, it's not like she doesn't have daddy issues, but, like, yeah, she talks to her dad (laughs) And if you've
0: been reading my terrible, terrible gift caps of this, like...
1: Your wonderful, wonderful gift caps, you mean? She is
0: Princess Bubblegum. Yes. To a T. She'd have a spy network if she thought it would, like... Oh,
1: she would, yes. Aryan's kind of terrifying. And if you read my my terrible, terrible
0: fanfic, she is also Princess Fire Lord Azumi.
1: Yes. Oh, everybody... Go go read Trifino's just for Izumi, You know, for no other reason. Just Yeah, you can oh. only
0: yeah, just just read the up, the prologue and epilogue. You don't even have to read yes. the shit in the middle. Oh that no, she's actually she kind of izumi faces in the middle. You can read tens and chapters, yeah. I guess.
1: You can you can read all the chapters actually, but yeah, Izumi's is my favorite part. Um, just
0: know that with Ryko I'm doing everything gross intentionally.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um my my favorite Izumi moment in that fanfic is where she tells off Iroh
0: oh yeah because i wasn't at all going with Oberin and Lori cannons, right yeah
1: we have all the oberon and laurie cannons.
0: Uh, my favorite <laughs> moment was actually right after that when tenzin was like what the fuck was this about and she's like oh there was like an issue with like earth kingdom ships and he's like um why didn't you tell me and then she just goes a trifling matter <laughs> But she's yeah. gonna she's gonna be my new fic you guys don't care about legend of Korra. let's go back to talking about <laughs> julia's
1: <laughs> fic they might care about legend of Korra. i sincerely doubt that <laughs> uh.
0: well i actually i know i at least a few but if yeah if you actually like a song of ice and fire you will like a Le- legend of Korra. it's very similar like thematically and interesting stuff going on
1: so. yeah the, the world is almost as rich yeah, I would say yeah. so. I mean, watch Avatar mm-hmm. first, all that. Yes, of course. Um,
0: but yeah, so so to a little overview on a, a wedding in Sunspear, I will go through. There are a few point of view characters. So Lareza is the heir of Dorne. She has a dad named Rodrin, and Julia kind of wrote wish fulfillment of what Dorne and Ariane's relationship could have been. Uh, and Lori's obviously getting married for the benefit of Dorne. There's also the point of view of Corrit, who is the uncle of the groom. Yes. The, the groom is Elliot, and he gets That's a point Elliot of view. Elliot Rowan. He gets a point <laughs> of view. Olena, our dowager sestress. No, the, the real Olena is... uh Yeah. The she's real, 19. The real Olena is at this wedding, and the shit with Darren just hit the fan. So she's 19 and single, and feeling like she did something horribly wrong with the whole Darren situation. She...
1: Made a horrible mistake by getting betrothed to a gay man.
0: Yeah. No, I mean actually she fucked Luther even though her s- sister was <laughs> Oh god. Um other people from the Reach. Uh Alisane's not from the Reach, but Alisane is this abused wife from the master of horse horse is
1: that it, right? He's the master of horse, yeah. Yeah. Just, so she's traveling,
0: sort her, her tie butt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Alisane, and she's, like, coming to Dorne for the first time, and then she, like, gets, like, tinglies in her vads for the first time, because she sees, like, a guy that doesn't treat her like shit. Mm-hmm. So, that's comfortable. Uh, other Dornish characters, there is Ormond Ironwood, who is a canonical character, right? The name? Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: He's dead, but, yeah. He's the, <laughs> son-
0: the son of Edgar, who you might know with Paramore Gate. Uh and so he's now the, the father of Anders. Yeah, so he's the hostage at Sunspear after yeah. the Blackfire Rebellion, and he's got—he's great. I—he's I, my Yen. Oh, I forgot Jerry. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Uh, Darren's boyfriend is—is yeah. uh, is another uh, point of view from. It's so sad that he and Darren both die.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but they die together. That makes you feel better.
0: And then I think the only other point of view is Danny Daenerys. Uh, she is Daenerys Gargolan. She's a half Martell. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother is married to, is married and estranged from the you know Lord of Salt Shore. And she's got an older sister Joletta, and another older sister no one cares about, but. <laughs> uh yeah she's, she's not
1: there so yeah but danny
0: is 15 she's also really 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 jonesing to fuck her other cousin who's a will mm-hmm. named Marin. <laughs> he's the worst person ever he's <laughs> twice her age yeah and she just really 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 wants to have the sex mm-hmm. she knows what moon tea is for
1: she does know what why don't you go through all the Martell siblings because,
0: yeah, uh, oh, the Martell okay, okay, okay. So maybe you should
1: we should break up the family tree.
0: Oh, uh, no, I don't need the family tree for this, but uh, I mean, please. I so okay, the the prince of Sunspear, the ruling prince, is Rod Rodron, yeah, Rod, Rod, the, sex Rod. God. Rod <laughs> the Rod. He's married to Linnell Manwoody, mm-hmm. who is awesome, she's, she's a real estate tycoon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's, re- she's a second wife.
0: She's a second wife. Uh, he might have uh, fucked his first wife to death is the Reach well, he, slander. Well,
1: he her to death.
0: Yeah, because she like was having a lot of high-risk pregnancies. But mm-hmm. you, you need heirs. Obviously, they have two kids, Laurie and Lewin. Aww. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Julia gave him three younger siblings. There's Arian, Nimros Martell, and he married Rabenowin? Um,
1: how many siblings did I give him?
0: Four. Oh, I have another uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, there's Oliver Sand, who's his uh, bastard brother. Yes. So, sorry about that. <laughs> Lori would be very mad at me.
1: She would. She, but she doesn't like bastard erasure. <laughs>
0: Arian is married to Re- Ravana, Will, right? That's her name? R- and they have Marin together, but they hate each other. They fucking mm-hmm. hate each other. So, yeah. Arian, uh, kind of, like, YOLO'd off at one point and found this sex worker he really, really liked named Laura. Sex slave. Oh, sex slave. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and...
1: yeah. I, I don't believe that, like, boring, non non-problematic relationships are very interesting to write about, so... Yeah, that was my motivation there.
0: There's some problematic issues of power dynamics, but the the long story short is that he freed her and then he he can't marry her but she she's his paramour now and they have this little Morgan Sand is is uh, their son and Marin is his uh legitimate sonian with Ribana and Morgan is Marin's squire. So it's kind of, it's kind of cute. And Laura plays the harp and everyone really likes her. Anyway, there's the third born, who is my f- or third legitimate born Martel, who is my favorite, and that's Tristana. and she is micromanager in chief. <laughs> I love her so much. She's Joya's mom. Sorry.
1: Yeah, she she runs the water gardens with an iron fist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, oh sorry, that's a spo- I was gonna give away a spoiler. I won't. Uh, she is married to Duran Gargolan. What spoiler? I- I'm not gonna say.
1: Well, put it in the chat.
0: Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, he's married to Duran Gargalon, and he's amiable. Everyone likes him, but they don't have that good of a marriage. She's just not that into it. So they're, like, estranged. She kind of thought she was just, like, not very into the sex thing. She had three kids with him, and after the third, she was like, oh, good, now I don't have to try anymore. And he has—he's still like, oh, how I—I wanted to make it work, but then he put like no effort into it. He's—he's he's basically a pancake dad. That's what I think of him. Kind of like—he's—he's <laughs> he's Tim Kane, like you know, he's just flipping the pancakes, pancake dad.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
0: They have three kids. The reason I'm going through their kids are because their kids are the most awesome people ever. Lynette is the heir, but we don't see her. Joletta no. is living in Sunsphere. She is one of Laurie's companions and she is the best character in the world.
1: She may or may not be Kylie's sister. <laughs> um,
0: in some ways it,
1: she's yeah.
0: she has her little ENFP ways, but like in other ways she's very different. My sister's first of all not a lesbian. Um, mm-hmm. but she's maybe just as unconcerned with inconveniencing others. Is <laughs> the best way I can put this. I love Does your sister, your sister to listen to this, to this podcast? podcast?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> not at all. I I have a very good relationship with my sister, I, I, but she sometimes can be a little um, inward-looking.
1: Yeah, we call her, like, Joletta half the time in, in our personal correspondence. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Joletta is a lovable narcissist, is the best way to put it. My sister's not mm-hmm. a narcissist, but Joletta's very, like, oh, I'm just not going to go to this function I have to go to by... we're like, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's she's just rolling in Martel Privilege. There's there's this chapter where uh Lori has her dress fitting and she like grabs Danny and she's like, Where's because that's one of the like few people she can talk to really. Mm-hmm. And Danny's just like, oh, touching, <laughs> <maybe?"> <laughs> uh Danny's obviously Joletta's younger sister, but yeah. um Joletta also has a paramour, which is Danae's adult. Uh so there's a lesbian couple and mm. Or I, I guess some people don't like when you say that about bisexual women. Yeah, but it's a couple with two women. Yeah. And Gillette well, is bisexual. Gillette is a lesbian. Denise is bisexual. Yeah, but uh <laughs> I have so many headcanons about them. It's really embarrassing.
1: <laughs> Tell us them.
0: No, I'm not gonna do that. But basically, like, okay, so Jillada's eight or nine years nine years younger than yeah Denazza, and. I just kind of think Deneza like the keeper of the tower of the sun, right? That's yes. her. That's her official title. She's she yes, she runs everything, and Deneza is more or less me. <laughs> like <laughs> in personality, she'll just like abuse uh, absorb abuse like a hot tampon, and then just be like, "Well, whatever. There's a job to do, so I don't care." Um. <laughs> so. I, I I just think that when Gilletta first came to Sunspear, after, like, she was, you know, when she was old enough to be a companion, like, she was just, Deneza hated her. She's like, why is this person never where I need her? And then, like, Gilletta would also, like, fuck all these women, and then it would never work out. And so then she'd just be sobbing, like, why, why can't I find anyone? So then Tristana would, like, go to Danae's and be like, you can't seat Joletta next to this person. And Danae's would be like, Jesus Christ, another one? Like, how much I supposed <laughs> to do my seating charts anymore? She's broken up with all these people. <laughs> and it would just, like, continually put her out. And she just, like, co- they just, like, hated each other. And then, yeah.
1: No, I, I don't think... I don't think Gilletta ever
0: hated her. No, Gilletta never hated her. Gilletta was always like, ooh, let's let's be best friends. I love you. And Denise (laughs) was like, Go the fuck away, you're the worst. And then finally, Denise was like, Maybe this is all sexual frustration. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So that's like my main headcanon. But uh no, Gilletta was always a little like into her, I think. Yeah. Wow. But she's really hot. Yeah, but I just, like, love it. I just love that dynamic. And it's it's still a little bit like that. <laughs> You'll see. But it's still a little Denaise being like, why the fuck are you throwing yourself off of a horse because you want to beat your cousin in a race? Like, who cares? <laughs> and Jala's like, but who won? <laughs> and then all the Reach people are like, lesbians! What do we do? Anyway, Danny is actually, um... She's a point of view character. Danny's the younger sister of Gilletta. Uh, seven years younger? Yep. Yeah. Gilletta's twenty-two, right?
1: Uh yeah. She's like a year older than Lori.
0: And Lori's like twenty-one, yeah. So Danny's fifteen. And Danny, like I said, she wants to fuck Maren. Uh huh. Marin's the worst ever. But <laughs> What's Dani... so bad about Maren? Man Maren is like a grown man child.
1: <laughs> this yes, is Arian. Don't...
0: This is Arian's oldest son to remind you. But he's just yeah, like his only son. He's, oh, Blaze no, he's... being yeah. blazed, playing the game player. Yeah. He's just... No, he just is a grown, grown man-child. He's very wrapped in privilege. He -hmm. had one relationship that didn't go well, and he's never gotten over it. Uh, And he just doesn't... He doesn't want to grow up. He doesn't have to. No, he just wants to be really rude to, like, Ormond and piss me the fuck off. Yeah. But Danny is awesome, because she's kind of, like... Stuck in this little, like, it's my personal favorite white boy mentality. But then also a little bit, like, I am a woman with a brain and sexual agency, and fuck you. Yeah. So, like, she'll be talking to Olenna, and she'll be like, Olenna, you're my best friend! But then (laughs) Olenna will be like, I have to do this, and she'll just be, like, rolling her eyes, whatever. (laughs) I love Danny so much. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, then the youngest Martell sibling is mm-hmm. danella yeah who is
1: <laughs> the princess of the face she's just
0: so she, her she is the definition of like i'm gonna inconvenience everyone and not give a shit
1: yeah diletta gets it from somewhere
0: <laughs> yeah and like she married an orphan of the green blood
1: yeah they probably all get it from ang on the fourth oh maybe mm. it's possible <laughs> yeah I mean, like, they're not horrible people, but they're kind of like, you know, I don't care. I'll fuck up the world for a hundred years because I want to spite my wife on my deathbed. (laughs) You know, that kind of (laughs) stuff.
0: Oh my god. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. I love Westeros. I
1: like, I like Danella. She's fun. (laughs)
0: Danella is just like, we, we, we've only seen her in a very recent chapter, but she's super Mm. pregnant and she apparently got in a fight with her husband. And decided to just crash the wedding, even though everyone thought that she was going to be, like, at her property that she's mismanaging. So, so basically, yeah. like, she married an orphan, right, of the Green Blood, so he doesn't have his own, like, land or mm. castle or anything. So, Rod just gave them this, like, little tiny castle, and he's like, just go, like, just mm. take care of it. And they just mismanage it horribly. So, well, then, like, every couple- she's, of... she's
1: all confused about, like, all these, like, small folk who come to her and, like, want things done they so ask like, her to settle disputes and she's just like what the fuck is this
0: <laughs> right so every like year or so like one of the other Martel siblings has to like go out there and just be like okay what is this what do we have to do like Rod can you just like send more apples out here because this is bad it's
1: usually Oliver. Oliver's the only one who can really handle Oliver it. Oliver Sand, well. yeah, he's the bastard. Yeah.
0: He's older than everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he he's the bastard of Sunspear. <laughs> he's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, he's like he's kind of like still the oldest, you know? Yeah. He's like he kind of has that role like in the family even though he doesn't because he's a bastard, but yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that's the that's the Martell that's the ruling class of of Dorne and it all is centered around Lori. Yes. Um Yeah. So I don't know, can you tell me why you made Elliot the way you did for her?
1: Um well, well first of all I wanted to write a story about culture clash. So yeah. that's why I made him from the Reach and I wanted I wanted him to have those values, but I also Wanted him to be someone who could be like, you know, Oberon and Doran's dad. Mm-hmm. So, is that a spoiler? I mean, <laughs> because when I first started writing the story, like, a few people were like, I think Clarice is going to call off the wedding. <laughs> and I was like,
0: um. Julia was but, distraught when yeah, that happened. Like, she was like, I'm Am the I the worst not... raider ever? Yeah. Am I not making her characterization very clear? <laughs> Yeah. But
1: um I think that his first name should just give the game away right off the bat, but whatever. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I suppose you could name your daughter after your ex boyfriend, but that would be a little awkward. Um so I wanted him to be like, you know, like a thoughtful intellectual person as well. So we ended up with Elliot somehow who's um like he's he's someone who's very constrained by the values of his society, but he's also kind of aware of that fact and so he does have some kind of capacity for self-reflection. Mhm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I like him because he's bookish. Yeah, he,
1: he's he's a, he's a bookish nerd. But he okay, also so- like he's he's like he's a knight and he's very proud of that fact as well. Like, you know, he, he's he's not it's it's not like he's a bookish nerd to the exclusion of kind of traditional masculine pursuits. So.
0: Um, so tell me about Korit, though.
1: Um yeah, well, Corrit like Elliot is kind of like Corrit and his own father kind of put together. Mm-hmm. I suppose you can say, but like he's he's more than some of those parts obviously. Uh, well, yeah, his father is is Edwin, Edwin <laughs> Rowan, who's who's like um
0: I love Edwin so much. He's John Stewart hiding under the desk. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you guys don't appreciate how much Julie and I have these gift caps memorized.
1: Yeah. I mean, every time I feel like a little down, I, I read a gift cap basically, so I have I you, you know I, I have a mood disorder, so I feel off a lot. Aww. So I, I read a lot of gift caps in my life, but um, I should write more for you. You should. <laughs> yeah,
0: I should finish that princess in this episode.
1: Mm. Um, well, I'm, I'm actually almost done the latest chapter, so I have the one more. <gasps> oh yeah, by the way, through.
0: I I feel we 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 are how many minutes talking about this fic and Julia uh-huh. hasn't updated in a while. I feel it's, like, a little necessary. I want to defend her because Julia is not your bitch, but, like, she's well, been feeling... Well, she's also been feeling really guilty about it, but, you know, we, we don't talk a ton about our private lives and we don't reveal that much, but, mm-hmm. like, stuff has stepped up and it's been keeping her a lot busier and a lot more stressed in general. So it's just, like... You know, it's been hard for me to crank out Fick too. There's just certain things that are coming up. There's ebbs and flows to, you know, private lives. Julia has a family to manage. Like, <laughs> like she, again, she's not your bitch, but this is hardly forgotten. And every no. day she'll be like, what do you think, uh, you know, this guy would say in this situation? And and this is never far from her mind. And it's always something like, oh, God, I wish I could have done this this weekend. I wish I yeah. could have. So, um I mean, know. it's,
1: it's it, like, it's kind of like where I go in my brain to escape from things. So, uh, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. And I think most people
0: get that with fanfic fanfic authors. I think most Mm -hmm. people understand that, like, you know, we do this for free, we do this for fun, and it's really hard when we're not paid authors to be able to set aside the time. Yeah.
1: And Mm -hmm. even then,
0: there's creativity ebbs and flows, so.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a very slow writer, Eve, like, on a good day, so.
0: Well, also, she types, like, 40 words per minute, so...
1: (laughs) That's not really a limiting factor, believe me. Um.
0: Yeah, but when you reach 121,
1: Julia, you'll understand. Okay. We I mean, were talking about Edwin, right? Well, yeah. he's like, um, he's like a bookish nerd to, to the, uh, exclusion of all other things, basically. He's Roderick the Reader, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like, he is Roderick the Reader because, like, because of his, like, position, basically he gets away with things that other men would be scorned for a lot more, I think. But um he's very much like like a philosopher rather than a doer. And you know, he does have that capacity for self reflection and even reflecting on like, you know, the society in which he lives. But like trying to get him to do anything or like be assertive in any way is a non starter. Um and Elliot doesn't have that problem. Uh and Corrit, his his brother, his younger brother um, he is, I mean, he's not dumb in any way. He's not uneducated, but he is very, very normative. And he, like, there are things that Adwin spends, like, like, that's what he does. He's, he sits around, and he questions things that court would never, like, he wouldn't know how to question them. Right. Um, I'm talking mostly about the patriarchy, of course. Uh, <laughs> But just, just like, you know, like the values of society in general, he's just like, this is the way it is, that means it's the way it's supposed to be. And that's really as far as his brain takes it. He's an not, ISTJ. Not because, <laughs> not because he's a bad man, like he's not a bad man in any way, but no. like he, he has done a few things that I think we would classify as bad, but... Uh, well,
0: he's a product of the system and the system yeah. gets you to do bad things in the same mm-hmm. way that like, you know, Jamie is a very complicated figure and he's kind of yeah. a bad man, right? Yeah, but he's also not. <laughs> but Court is an ISTJ to a T. I'm going to embarrass Julie a lot with this because she's all like, Arr, MB Myers Briggs isn't peer control. It-, it doesn't have any like you know controlled peer edited studies." Or well,
1: I, I, it's a lot more useful with fictional characters than with real people.
0: I agree with that. <laughs> like, I definitely agree with that. Myers- like
1: like I, I do, I do find it useful. Just just like when I think, because like you know, like Court for example, like he does not think the way that I think. And like, sometimes I'm just like, what would Cora do? Like, looking at, <laughs> looking at like, you know, the webpage for <laughs> that ISCJs. Helps. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so I actually, I actually like made like an Excel sheet for her of like mm-hmm. all her characters and all the, all the personality types and what characters match it. Um, and you know, for some of them, she doesn't, you know, when she's writing Lori, she doesn't need to like look up anything because that's her brain. But like for other characters, you know, when you're writing Danny, and you're trying to put wrap your arms around what an ESFP would possibly do, <laughs> like they're weird. I don't know. Um, I have, I mean, E's and S's. I always have problems with, but like I'm working on it. Especially now that I'm working with Cora. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it, as it fell, she had a character for every single personality type, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It, I, it was completely by accident. I had no idea. Like I've, I've like. A few of them are, like, kind of minor side characters.
0: Well, Ty Butt is the INTJ, yeah? Yeah.
1: Not (laughs) that INTJs are bad.
0: Most of my, seriously, most of my best friends are INTJs, but (laughs) (laughs) he's also one, and he's awful. Uh,
1: Do you want to talk about uh, Laurie's clique? You seem to like them. Laurie's posse! Oh my god, yes! Her ladies! Yeah.
0: So, uh, there's Joletta Garglin, who is... Awesome. There um, is Elda Talent who is developing more of a personality.
1: Yes, yeah, so, because well, the problem was it shouldn't happen, so I, I gave her one.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um I mean she's she's still not the most distinct. She's the least distinct of them, I would say. Mm-hmm. Because she's just kinda like she's jam buds with uh Jenna and she mm-hmm. like has an embarrassing mom and she has yeah. like a good relationship with her brother. And she's just like chill,
1: you know? Yeah. She's she's um She's going to get married in six months. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, there's a uh, Jenna Sand. Yeah. Who is the bastard daughter of? Oh God, what's her name?
1: Lady Corkill.
0: Yes, but what's her first name?
1: Uh, Anila. I know because I'm looking at my dramatist persona. Oh yeah, no, because I, I knew it
0: was a Corkill, but I forgot what. Yeah. I can tell you. I can tell you about Daria Oler and her dead lack husband, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you made up a house?
1: Yeah, I, I made a, yeah, a few of them. Yeah,
0: lack. But, uh, yeah, so she's the bastard daughter of the Cargyle, Lady Cargill, and yeah. maybe someone? Question
1: mark. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious by now in the story. But, I yeah.
0: mean, how every character's reacting about it, and how every character's talking about it, it's very obvious whose bastard daughter she is. Yes. But we're just not gonna tell you anyway. Um... <laughs> So, and she's kind of, like, struggling with that because this wedding is kind of putting the microscope on her for some reason. Yeah. Because everyone's around. They're like, oh, my God, they look alike. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) This is ridiculous. Because, basically, this goes back to, uh, Julia and I have that Dornish headcanon hour, right? But we have that one headcanon where there's, like, this little taboo period where Mm -hmm. if you're the man and you're married, like, women obviously can't have paramours when they're, like, producing babies, but men shouldn't have paramours during that. Like, when it's the baby it's making time period, it's rude. Yeah. It's it's a social time It's it's, a, it's rude,
1: like, boarding on time period, yeah.
0: And basically, the headcanon that Julia and I had was that Lady Carguy and this guy were like, want to really piss off my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Jenna sprang forth. And Jenna is a samisada. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And she just gets, like, really pissed, but then she's, like, a very sensitive person, and then sometimes she has sex with people to make herself feel better, and then there's people...
1: Right. What I was about to say is a spoiler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and sometimes those people that she has sex with are from the Reach, and they're giant ass-wipes, and they will slut-shame her the day after. <laughs> um, I love her. So that's Jenna, that's Elda, there is my favorite human in the world, Rhoda Santigar. My girl? My baby? Oh, Rona. Rona is fucking Ormond. And she kind of is in love with him, but she won't admit it, because she might have some emotional baggage. So she just puts up all these walls. But then past that, she's also the most competent one in the uh, in Lori's employ. Where, like, Lori is, you know, distraught over her paramour and how to leave. And, like, Rhonda's the one that's, like, trying to, like, make a small talk with her. And she's just, like, always proing out. She's always saying the socially appropriate thing. She's, like, finding out the. She does everything. Gillette is, like, I need the dirt on what's happening with Marin because Danny's sobbing. And Rhonda's, like, on it. I've got this.
1: Or, uh, so she gets kicked out of her bedroom because people show up. <laughs> she's just, like, the best person <laughs> in the world. Um, you didn't talk about Emily. Uh,
0: no. Wha- yep, I kind of forgot about her, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. What do
0: you have to say about her?
1: i just, um, she's, uh, Larissa's like, shadowing. She's, like, she's the person who runs her household. Yeah. And she's kind of, like, a mother figure she- for her. She's Adele
0: in my one gif, like... <laughs> Yeah. I have. I, I mean, she's fine.
1: Yeah, uh, she's she, always making sure Lori has a shawl with her. Yeah, mm, yeah. She's she's very. Uh,
0: and then Lori's best friend is actually not like a lady. Of officially, yeah. well, like she's a lady, but not like one of her she's companions. Not one of her companions. Yeah. It's Alice Ladybright.
1: She's not yeah. her companion because she has a job.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, she's like assistant to the uh,
1: treasurer basically. Yeah. She's a and, she's a factor.
0: And she's gonna get that job, too, eventually, yeah. as as you guys who have read A Song of West and Fire know. Um, and she's just great, and Alice Lady Bright, and she's appeared in Breath of Joy's
1: Fix. Yeah, somehow! Hmm. She's gonna have a soft spot for Laurie's kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's Laurie's posse. Yeah, well, she has, um... Yeah, I think she has, like, some guy friends, I guess, but... Lori? yeah, they're they're elsewhere in the list, so yeah. Uh, yeah get onto well, the Dram- Dramatis Personae so we can like follow this list. I mean, we go through, we won't go through the whole thing because it's insane. But. Oh my
0: god, we can't go through the entire. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm at not the Dornish um, family trees. That's what I'm using.
1: Uh, okay,
0: right now, because but- yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Rollin. Let's talk about the uh, <laughs> elephant in the room. Let's talk about Rollin. Roland Tullard. Because oh my god. Toland, the, the Dornish always fucking do this, right? Like they always have these like names, and then they're like, "You're gonna have the same fucking sounding first name as your last name." <laughs> That's like all through a Song of Ice and Fire, really. Yeah. So Roland Toland, and yeah. he's eldest older brother.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, he's one. We're gonna we're gonna just, have to
1: talk about the the Will Fowler Toland, not. <laughs>
0: Oh, God. I don't even know how to explain that.
1: Like... Roland is the son... Roland and Elga. um, Their parents are Lord Varen Tolan, who's the the lord of Ghost Hill. And he's married to Lady Lady Ariandra Fowler, who's the sister of Generalin Fowler, who's the Lady of Skyreach. Right? And they got married, they had two kids, but then Ariandra shacked up with Lord Will, who's like 30 years older than her, who is the father of Rabana, who's Arian's wife. <laughs> 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 and they have, they have two kids, two, two bastard kids, the uh, Sand and, uh, Devin Sand. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, so, like. And then, so, yeah, and then so Marian's alive- aunt is also Roland's sister. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's, like, really yeah. weird shit going on mm-hmm. here. And it, it's mostly because Ariandra, like, dated out of her generation. Yes. <laughs> that there's the issue. And, like, remember, Rabana and Arian have a terrible relationship. Yeah. So there's just, like, awkward feelings all around, and if everyone hates everyone. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ariandra is just this gossip-awful, yeah. like, just really, like, uh... She basically, Elda, like, pops in with Roland to say, like, mm-hmm. hey, Mom. And then, like, Jenna comes over because she's, like, you know, their friend. And Ariana's just like, who could your father be? And you're like, oh, my God, lady. Oh, she's
1: just like, you uh, you look like, she's like, huh. You're I Cornelis wonder better, who you? you, I wonder yeah. who's you. Yeah, and She's like, well, who else can you possibly leave? Look, look at you. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. She's the worst person ever. And then Jenna's all upset, so she goes, fucks a random dude. <laughs> no, she's upset because of Nosegate. Mm-hmm. No, wait. Um, no, it's because of the dude. Damn it. Sorry. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I that is a little this. complicated. I love this so much. <laughs> that extended family is a little complicated. Because, like, like the, our headcanon is kind of... And it's kind of borne out in the canon a little bit. But our headcanon is that, like, when it comes to, like, kind of, like, bonds of affection between siblings, like, the whole bastard legitimate thing really doesn't matter. Um. Yes. So, like you know, like Elda would say, "Yeah, Gentle and Sam, she's my sister." She wouldn't say she's my half sister and everything like that. But but then, like you know, she's not also like that even sister. Santer. Yeah, But she's also like Ravenna's sister too, and so Ravenna also calls her a sister probably, and just like you know, it's it's a mess. Um, but yeah, uh, real families are like that. So you know. <laughs> Look, lady.
0: If we go through if we go through this entire like family trees and all this, we are gonna never stop talking, and I'll never forget the night that I constructed the family trees, and we were like, just <laughs> I was like, I was sharing, I was screen sharing what I was doing in uh, Illustrator mm-hmm. with Julia, and she was just like, "Ooh, make the lacks you know light green."
1: I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, you probably want to talk about Lorlin. So, uh, so that's what I was trying to say. I wanted to
0: talk about Lorlin. yeah. So, like. And I wanted to talk so Lori the the, the the premise is that Lori had this longtime paramour named Henrik. Yeah. Henrik. And before she had Henrik, she was kind of like fucking everyone.
1: Yeah, she was um kind of young and using her privilege. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean she's she's like a young horny teenager who could literally have anyone she wanted because she was the princess of Dorne. Yeah. So she settled down with Henrik and that that's when all the lords were like, Oh good, she like she's you know, <sighs> Yeah, she was kind of
1: wild. like overing it. <laughs> like Oberyn gets it from somewhere, and it's not from Elliot, right? And they're like a good. She's a cold Martell, not a hot Martell. Um. Yeah. So well, she was a cold Martell then too. She was a cold Martell, liked to have sex.
0: Yeah, no, I know. But uh, so she and uh Henrik dated for like three years, right? And then, and
1: everyone loved Henrik, and he's just a Dane of high hermitage. Yeah, he's like a minor Dane of high hermitage cousin, like he's really low on yeah, the totem pole. He,
0: yeah, so he could be her paramour, but he couldn't, you know, yeah, d- do anything else. And, and Rodren was like, maybe you shouldn't date him, because this is not going to end well, because mm-hmm. you're going to have to get married to someone politically. And she was like, I don't care. And so then uh she's basically the it, it opens with her just being emotionally devastated because she had to break up with him because her stupid fucking husband is coming and because she's a <laughs> and because she, she's a Martell she put it off to like the last minute. Like the last possible minute. Her dad's like, He's gonna be here tomorrow <laughs> Or the king is well, coming like the next week, but yeah. Yeah. Well and it's actually a really good timing because the Tyrells arrive early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Doug is like, why don't we just not let them in?
1: <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but, like, um, one of the dudes that she was with before, Henry along was Roland, and I don't, Kylie finds the relationship really interesting.
0: Yeah, she had been with him before. Yeah. Like, like, fucked him. And basically, Roland, like, is a little bit in love with her. A little. Just a little. <laughs> and he's just this, really, really amiable dude, too. Yeah. And he's awesome, and they're just, like, they always have this little bit of tension, even though, like, Lori was obviously in love with Henrik. Yeah. And Lori is like, I haven't had sex in two days, so...
1: It was, I mean, like, five days by then.
0: Yeah. So, so like, she and, Ro- she and Roland were, like, just flirting like crazy, and they just have, like, a really good dynamic, and he kind of does understand her very well.
1: Yeah, he does.
0: Uh, Yeah, and they're just adorable and cute and perfect. And <laughs> they didn't have sex. They didn't fucking have sex. No, I think so. no, but I just like I ship them forever, and every time Elliot interrupts them, I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> third wheel! What do you think this is? Your wedding?" <laughs> Julia, that that was like one of your favorite jokes that I made, right?
1: Yes, I think it is my favorite joke that you made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had some good
1: ones. I had some figures. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but like poor Elliot is just like, because um, he knows nothing about Lareza, basically. Like people like is you when you have like a marriage like that you're really kind of not allowed to say anything bad about anyone. So right. like all anyone would say about Loreza is that like, you know, she's princess, she works very hard, you know. <laughs> and he's just like, I want details.
0: No I, I love answer. every single time every single time that um Elliot tries to like press Lewin for details cuz Luwin is obviously Lori's bro. Um and yeah. Luwin's just like, I don't know, she works a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's my sister. <laughs> but she's my sister. Out. She's
0: cool. Lewin thinks she's really cool.
1: Yeah, he likes her.
0: Um, yeah, he he thinks she's super cool. But,
1: like, and he, he... he was
0: even kind enough to, like, deal with the <laughs> Seven Penny King <laughs> while she
1: <laughs> went to King's Landing. Stop. <laughs> anyway, um, well, so, like, the, the kind of, like, central conflict of the story right now, basically, is that Elliot makes assumptions... Based on his own kind of societal biases, and um,
0: like the assumptions about virginity.
1: Yeah, for example, I mean, like, well, because like, virginity gate is like a big thing that's coming. Yeah, yes, uh, I think I don't think that's a spoiler for anyone, but
0: um I don't think that's a spoiler, dear.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs>
0: like, like Elliot uh, or Court and Adwin were already like having their out about it.
1: Yeah, but like, I don't. Know, it's because like. Elliot is normative enough that he just can't imagine that anyone, because, you know, he's he's a Rowan, and that's not nothing, and he can't imagine that anyone would, like, think of marrying a Rowan and not be a virgin, you know? And <laughs> like, he has, like, he's, he's kind of had, like, this dream wedding, I think, in his head since he was a little boy, even if he doesn't quite know it. And he doesn't mm-hmm. like things that don't meet his expectations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Poor Elliot. He's Thanks really the victim him. here. He is the victim here, obviously.
0: Uh, so I want to talk to you about Allison. Okay. So where did she come from, and why are you doing this to me?
1: Um, I have no idea where she came from, and uh, she's came from my disease brain. Uh, well, Allison is the wife of.
0: Yeah, like, we we Master of the Horse.
1: Yeah, he's she's the wife of this kind of landless knight uh called Sir Tibbet Sarsfield who Dybat,
0: yep.
1: Yeah, he he's like his Sarsfield, which is like a Reach family, but uh I think it's a Reach family or is it a westernland's family, I don't remember.
0: I really don't know. Yeah. Um I but, only have the houses adorned memorized. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, he's he's the master of horse at the Red Keep, which is not an insignificant position at all, but like, you yeah, know, he's He's not like a major nobleman or anything like that, and she's just kind of you know she's highborn, but she's not particularly highborn either. She's she's a Mooton, but she's not like a main branch Mooton or like you know the daughter of Lord Mooton or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so they just have this kind of like you know middle class. It's not it's not a middle class marriage, but it's it's the lower end of the uh, the nobility merit uh, kind of marriage. And... Well,
0: I mean, I think that's the closest to middle class you're going to get in Westeros.
1: Well, they have, like, merchants and things like that, right? Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, like, like they're, they're people who, like, you know, are definitely not poor. They have no real experience of what it's like to be poor. But they but they do, like, they're not the kind of people who can, like, throw lavish feasts and just, like, you know, have so much money they really don't know what to do with it. Um, well, yeah, they're just, they just have this kind of, like, ordinary middle class marriage. But, unfortunately, he's a completely abusive asshole. And she's... Um, the canonical character she's most like is definitely Kat, I think. But she's not particularly like Kat. Um, she's just like, you know, she's a person who wants to live a normal life. And mm-hmm. she's very kind of bound by her society. Uh, like, you know, she she has a strong sense of morality. Unfortunately, the morals of her family, of her, of her society really suck. But she's kind of very, she wants... She wants to be what she thinks is a good person. Um, they have a daughter. Her name is Taya. And, and she's, she's awesome. Yeah, she's she's cool. I like her. Uh, she's just like an 18-year-old girl. I mean, she's, she's like a normal 18-year-old. Um, she's nice. She's, yeah. she's down. She's down with it. Yeah, but, and, unfortunately for, for Allison, uh, her husband is an abusive asshole who's never quite forgiven her for not getting pregnant again. And he's also a bit of a rapist, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't want to give too much away about her because, like, her arc is really barely started. But, um, yeah, she, she shows up in Dorn because, like, you know, her husband's the master of the horse and they have to travel the court, basically. And, she meets, like, a man that she's actually sexually attracted to, kind of, for the first time in her life. Because, um, I wrote a rape scene, and that's what their sex is always like, her and her husband. So, um... Well,
0: it was just funny, because I, like, called it that, and you are like, oh my god, I did write a rape scene! Which I, I think you knew, but, like... Yeah, I
1: did. I mean, but, like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, like, when you've, like, when a character... Has been like raped on a regular basis for twenty years, and would never think of it as rape. Mm-hmm. You know, like because um, what was my point? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. But like, um, yeah. Well, she she's in this kind of like new society where like I don't. She's not judgmental at all, but she doesn't exactly approve of the way that people act in Dorne, right?
0: Well, she's very, she's kind of like a sponge in a lot of ways, too. Where people just be like, this is what we do. And she'd be like, okay.
1: Yeah, but, like, she definitely, like, like, she, like, when it comes to her own actions, like, she's just like, I would never do that because it's wrong. But, like, she just doesn't have a judgmental bone in her body. Like, she would never judge other people for the way they behave. (laughs) Like, uh, um. Yeah. Like, not even her husband. She, 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 She should judge him. But, um. So, yeah, she's kind of, like, having her sexual awakening at 40. That's kind of what's going on with her right now. Oh. Um, yeah, and and, uh, Kylie knows everything, and, yeah. Ugh, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I do, I do know it's coming, but, like... Yeah. She just hurts my heart. It's impossible to not hurt her heart, because, like, she meets Durin, and, like, they talk for two seconds, she's like, men aren't always abusive,
1: horrible shits. Yeah, Mm and... But then she shame spirals from it. She
0: seems, yeah, she goes into a shame spiral because she's a
1: married man. Yeah, well, I think that scene was kind of funny, right? I I
0: mean, I think, I think so. Yeah, because like the the interplay between Tristana and Duran, yeah, well, yeah, because
1: Duran is is Tristana's husband, of course. But like, um, like they kind of like you know they're introduced to each other, they dance, and they're both don't like you know really like 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 their chemistry is kind of really obvious, and they're like at least is like okay, like, there's something here. And then, like, she kind of realizes who he is. And Tristana had just been, like, really nice to her. And so she just changed files.
0: And and, and yeah. Duran wasn't helping any. No. I'm sorry. He was no. trying to be like, I'm gonna see people are interested in me, Tristana. <laughs> and Tristana's like, because, okay, we didn't say this, but Tristana's getting it from this really young
1: dude. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Collecting princesses, I think, at this point. But no, he he's really into Tristana. In he's like in love with her. Just spoiler. Um But he had been with Lori before. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's like, you know, the designated hot guy in Sun so she kinda had to. She's uh, he's
0: fine. Yeah.
1: His ears are too big. <laughs> um Oh Danny. Yeah. Love her. Well she be like Alison poor Allison does not understand Tristanna and Duran's marriage at all.
0: I wonder how this episode is gonna play with anyone who hasn't read your fic.
1: <laughs> Why would anyone who hasn't read your fic listen to this episode? <laughs> I don't know. Um Well I like Well the thing about Durin and Tristana is that like you know they had a political marriage because basically after the blackfire rebellions like um uh, Marin and Daenerys prime were like shit <laughs> like um all these george lords are not happy with this whole thing that we did um maybe we should try to fix it a little bit so they like scrambled to marry other kids too so, like, you know, Dornish lords, so, like, they all married Dornishmen rather than marrying outside of Dorn, which is a little weird when you think about it, but that's why. Um, yeah, and then this is kind of, like, the reaction to that,
0: too, where now Lori's getting reached as yeah. husband.
1: Yeah. So, they they had this political marriage, and they were never really into each other, and, yeah, like, I kind of mentioned it, like, you know, Tristana kind of assumed that she just wasn't into sex, and, you know, and during like was never especially into her, but like his pride i think w- was wounded by his wife rejecting him, and he, he kind of like told himself that it was just because she's not that into sex, and you know that that's how he made himself feel better about it um but now that he's like he's he's seen her like for the first time in, in i don't know he probably saw her when uh their daughter got married but like he he barely sees her at this point anymore and he just pops up in this like social situation and he finds out that she's like you know actually like fucking this hot young dude and he's not exactly jealous it's just you know he he like he doesn't care enough about their relationship to be jealous jealous but he's Is just jealous like...
0: much well, i keep thinking about that guess <laughs> that i
1: used for... but but <laughs> to it's her... it's more that he he's just like what was wrong with me you know why couldn't she be intersex with me um
0: by the way i I need more credit for my fan casting of Santana as because that's perfect. It, it is perfect.
1: It's a perfect fan cast. I mean, how much more credit is that
0: It's only gonna get more perfect yes, <laughs> I got you have no idea what's coming for you, Avatar <laughs> um uh,
1: yeah. I, I I I I I'm I'm a little worried that like Tristana and Duren's dynamic is a little hard to get across. Wow.
0: Well, because they don't dislike each other, no. and they really respect each other in a mm-hmm. way. You know, like if there's a problem, like Dern would still go to her mm-hmm. for a lot of things, and there's also that sort of like shared parentage of their yeah. kids, and like they there's a lot of respect, but it's just also like a little. What was wrong with me? And, like, can you just leave me alone? Kind of aspect of it.
1: (laughs) Stop cockwalking me, please.
0: Yeah, like, it's not, it's not, like, acrimonious. No. By any means. It's just a little, like, some hurt feelings Mm -hmm. that they can't really, like, reconcile, I guess is the
1: best way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to? I I was asking if you wanted to talk about Elliot's family because people seem to like them.
0: Oh, the Rowans? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like into the Reach dudes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so I think we said that like his dad is Adwin. hmm I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the mother's name at the moment. Sarah. Sarah. Right. So Sarah's just a very normative Reach lady. Yeah, she's nice. She's nice and she gives uh Elliot some rock and sex advice <laughs> on well, how to be yeah. how how to not scare a virgin, basically. Yes. And then you realize that, like, oh, you were in a situation where you were contemplating marital rape. (laughs) Yay. And Uh, how he has to be gentle and proper. And he's, like, getting, like, a hard-on thinking about it. (laughs) And Laurie was, like, meanwhile having, like, a sex fest (laughs) with her boyfriend. She was about to dump. (laughs) Fake-up sex is the best sex. Yeah. The (laughs) uncle is Corit, and the Mm -hmm. uncle's wife is, uh, oh my god. Taria Tully. Taria, yes. And
1: they're really close. They have a really they're have they
0: really, really close. They have a good relationship, but they've had to, like, make some hard choices. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know. I'm less sympathetic to them.
1: Yeah, well, they, they think it was, you know, a tragedy they were forced into. For sure.
0: Is that a spoiler? Or are we not allowed to get into it?
1: I mean, like, I think it's... Uh... I think that most people who like, you know, read closely are able to guess exactly what happened actually. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think it's very clear that like something happened with their daughter. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, yeah. I, I wouldn't be upset if someone figured it out. Like I I think all the seeds are definitely there. Um, well, that's <laughs> magnanimous. Yeah. Well, I feel like well, you're I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not anyway. trying to be obtuse about it. Like, you know, just. I'm, I, the only reason I haven't really stated it is because, like, Court refuses to think about it, so. Um... Court
0: has a Dornish boyfriend named <laughs> Dylan <Uller. laughs> You forgot
1: to talk about um, all of uh, Elliot's siblings.
0: No, I was going to bring them up. I was bring up the uncle first.
1: Okay, you want to talk about Dylan? Yeah, so <laughs> Kurt has a secret Dornish
0: boyfriend <laughs>
1: named Dylan Aller. No, they're like old war buddies, and Dylan is obviously like kind of into him, but you know he's completely Dylan, oblivious.
0: Dylan has a, a, a nice bisexual crush on him. Yes, and
1: I'm not sure a... how bisexual Dylan is, but
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because he had to marry, but you know how Kurt yeah. does. But, and Daria's like, oh, bro.
1: Yeah, Daria is his sister. And she's has Daria Oler is
0: everything. Uh, she's the one who's married to the Lack.
1: Yeah. Just, she just, like, married one of her brother's random bannermen. And then he died. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe she'll marry again. Who knows? She's just a chill nerd. Yes. She has a little sunyan. Named Lucas Lack.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, but D- Dylan is just a little, like, starstruck and, like, mm-hmm. a little into... Cora and Cora's just like, oh, old friend, wow, you're really happy to see me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to talk about your future liege lord and her hymen.
0: <laughs> yeah. But Dylan is appropriately adorned as she gets pissy mm. after a point. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Elliot has a younger sister. Yeah. Well, he
1: who... has two younger sisters, actually. He has two? Yeah. One of them isn't really? there because she's uh, got babies and shit.
0: Well, the one who is there is what, 15? But unlike Danny, she doesn't know what
1: moon tea is for. No, and she's just a little like, "Let's talk about music." Yeah, she, she um, she really wants Lori to be her cool older sister.
0: She thinks Lori is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and to be fair, she is.
1: <laughs> and
0: then um, he has a brother. Yeah, Alistair. Alistair,
1: who is. A drunk. And, uh, he's an alcoholic. I mean, no, yeah, yeah it's, I was, in, it's not a comedic way. Yeah, I was trying to be like West Rosie with calling him a drunk, but uh, he's he's got a serious problem. Yeah, and it's not funny.
0: No, yeah, okay. yeah, and uh, in Corrit's first chapter, he mm-hmm. gets really shit faced and starts like insulting all the Dornish lords. Yeah, and because uh, c- c- uh, oh, what's his name? It's the Dane with the yeah. boyfriend, right? Yeah, yeah, he insults Lord Dane, Ashran Dane. Wow, how did I whip that out of my memory? <laughs> and, uh, I, I reread Julius Fick a lot. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but, yeah, so he he has a problem, and, and he's kind of a liability, and all the Dornish lords are like, well, at least he's not the one marrying Lori. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for the Rowans. You know, we've kind of been, like, going on for quite some time. So, I think, uh, The thing I want to ask you about, without getting into too many spoilers, is, like, what you're the most excited about coming up. Like, writing,
1: tackling, getting to, any of it. Oh, right now I just want to finish the chapter that I'm writing because I want to have a chapter up. But, um, I'm, I really want the wedding to happen so that, um, I can really develop Lareza and, uh, Elliot's relationship. Okay. Um... I think I, I I really want them to have sex or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs>
0: she just wants to write more smut ever since Ronan uh, Orman.
1: Yeah, mm. and I like uh, like the political political stuff is really going to start going down after the actual wedding. So I'm excited about that. Um, ah, gee, um, <laughs> it's a hard question. I, I like well, it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to you know. I like everything, you know, like I I like all my characters and I want to write them all more. And
0: who's your favorite to write?
1: Oh. Probably Laurie because Laurie is so much like me cuz <laughs> it's kind of easy. But um Yeah, I would yeah, Laurie's definitely my favorite to write. Um I really like I really like writing Elliot too. I mean, I I really like both of them. Um and Ormond. Oh. Ormond's kind of adorable.
0: Sunyan.
1: Yeah, and... Oh, we really talked about Ormond.
0: Yeah, we really didn't talk about Ormond. Mm. He's just my Sunyan, and he has daddy issues, and, you know, he's a hostage, so that's yeah. complicated. Wait, you want to talk
1: about that family?
0: The Ironwoods? Mm-hmm. Well, there's Edgar, and yeah. he, he hates the Martells, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Don't you know? And uh, it's very possible that... Uh paramour gate had absolutely nothing to do with the paramour
1: <laughs> well like, yeah i think mean, that's most likely
0: and, and had everything to do with the Martells mm-hmm. and wanted to fight them people's interpretation of that shit is so weird <sighs> yeah like i i mean th- this idea that like Anders is that 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 uh edgar would have been in any way justified to be like fighting some teenager
1: yeah to
0: defend his woman, assuming it even is a woman, the paramour. We mm-hmm. don't even know, but like, hey, how does she feel? Said no one ever. Yeah. <laughs> and like in Dorne, in Dorne, there's like this concept of female sexual agency.
1: Yeah, but there's also like a very rigid class system. So.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. There is, but like, you know, this is like some. How old was he at that point? Like 60 something?
1: Yeah. He would have been. Yeah, so this is like, like the 60
0: something. Yeah, sixty or seventy year old like battle hardened, entrenched dude who fucking has hated the Martells. He was he rose with in three Blackfire rebellions, right? Well, him and his mother. Yeah, the Ironwoods in general. He wasn't born in the first one. (laughs) Absolutely hate this power structure, Mm -hmm. and like he's fighting this fourteen year old, sixteen, I think it was whatever it was. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, this dude, it's not about the paramours, you know.
1: Yeah, if, well, it, like Ormond yeah. is his, his second child. He has an elder daughter. He, he has a daughter,
0: but she's kind of like um, been trying to get pregnant and not successful for a few years now.
1: I mean, if you you know Song of Ice and Fire, you know how that ends up. So, but yeah, after the fourth Blackfyre Rebellion, which was the, the pathetic yeah, one, you
0: should know Andrew's parentage.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: read your appendices,
1: damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, after the fourth Blackfyre Rebellion, which was the uh, the the pathetic one that would like ended in one battle. um... <laughs> The um, Ormond was taken as a hostage to Sunspear, and I don't, like, um, I have, like, all these headcanons about, like, kind of the relationship between Dorne and, like, the central government and things like, you know, who's allowed to discipline the, Dor- the Dornish lords, basically. So, um, yeah, he was, he was a hostage in Sunspear, not anywhere else. And, um, that was almost ten years ago now. And so, Yeah. One of the things that hap- that has happened in the story is that uh, Bodjan, who's actually really attached to Ormond, like released him. He's like, "Go, you're no longer a hostage." So that's a big thing. <laughs> and, yeah. I
0: well, yeah. I their their first scene is just so good to get. Well, it's not their first scene, but like the, it's the scene where um basically Edgar makes a fuss mm-hmm.
1: in a council meeting off screen,
0: <laughs> off screen because he can't control himself.
1: He's just like, ah, Martell's. No, well, he's really not into the idea of this marriage.
0: No, not at all. Because, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is, like, the Martell's tried to, like, sow good faith with the Dornish marriages. But the Ironwoods kind of got left behind that, like, inheritance, clo- like, that, that, like, marriage circle.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, when I was doing the family trees, they were one of the two family trees that weren't connected to anything. It was them and the Jordanes were connected to each other, but not to anyone else. Yeah. And, like, that was, you know, that's a problem. So they feel very shut out of formalized power in Dorne for that reason. But
1: they're also, like, the second most powerful family there is. So they're kind of, like, they're kind of this very dangerous separate block.
0: Exactly. And, um, so I think, you know, the idea that there's, oh, they're going back to marrying outside of Dorne. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just, like, reinstating everything that they had said was wrong. Yeah. And... Kylie and I
1: have, have very particular headcanons about the Ironwoods motivations for participating in the Blackfire Rebellion and it's not because they wanted Damon Blackfire to be king.
0: No, not at all. And like you don't participate in a rebellion, like when Dorne is being given more and more seats mm-hmm. in being paid more and more attention. You don't start a rebellion to like replace that because one of the motivations of the Blackfires was there's too much Dornish influence. Yeah. So the only thing that we can make sense of it is that the Ironwoods wanted to like become the Martells, become, you know...
1: Not, the... not, not, not just become the Martells, but like, like, it's like Star Trek 6. Right? So like, yeah. like, they, they wanted to put, cause the Blackfires and the Martells both objected to like the, the union with Dorne and the Iron Crown, but kind of like from the opposite points of view. So they were basically like joining up so they can start fighting each other again.
0: Yeah. Exactly, um, so that that's that's like key to it. So mm-hmm. like Edgar is just like stirring up shit, and Ormond is like, "These are my friends. How could you do this? What's wrong with you?" Like Lori's awesome, and Edgar's like, "She's a tyrant." And then Ed, and that, I think that's my favorite conversation <laughs> because Edgar's just like, "Look, she's a tyrant," and Ormond's like, "No, that's just how her face is." <laughs>
1: Like, um I think that, like, some people get a little carried away with, like, Doran being modern, quote-unquote. Like, make no mistake, these people are, like, m- absolutist monarchs, you know? Like, Doran doesn't take any shit from anyone, and he he just, like, he won't be contradicted, and he doesn't really take advice from his underlings. It's like, you know, that's, that's the kind of society they live in, and I, like, don't think we should shy away from that in fanfic, like... You know, Loreza isn't going to be the kind of princess who's egalitarian, as yeah. much as I like her.
0: But she's awesome. She and is she's awesome. the best. Mm-hmm. And if everyone had just, like, listened to Princess Bubblegum, it would have all been fine,
1: too. Exactly. Just for their own good.
0: Yeah. So, there
1: you have it. Um, can you talk about my fanfic? Because I feel kind of sorry for... Because she's American.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, this is very. I'm in a much better mood than I was
1: before mm-hmm. we started
0: talking about your fanfic, and I don't know. I I have come. To we barely time even time.
1: talked about Darren.
0: <laughs> Darren. <laughs> oh my god, and Elena. No, we have to talk about Elena. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, so Elena, like Julia was very, very conscious about like Elena is a product of the reach. You know, mm-hmm. she can't be this like weird third-wave feminist who's sleeping with her daughters, with her sisters, you know, betrothed, and like, all that shit that D&D do that just makes no fucking sense with this context. Like, Well, you know, the Reach
1: is all about empowered women. Oh my god.
0: (sighs) Right. If you haven't already, which I'm sure you if you're listening to this, I'm sure you have listened to our episode on the Mm Terrells. God help you if you've listened to this and you haven't listened to anything else we've done. (laughs) Um... But yeah, so so like, how do you how do you get that figure, Olena, who is very much a product of the system, but also so old and so like expendable that -hmm. she just doesn't care and will do whatever the fuck she wants at this point. So how do you get that kind of assertive character and have a snapshot of what she would look like in this system? And nineteen. And in this, like, situation specifically where, like, Darren is there at the wedding, and she's there, and she has to deal with it, and she thinks it's her fault that he's gay, and, like... (laughs) And Danny's like, that's not how the force works. Well, she's kind of... Seriously, gift cap's memorized.
1: um, Yeah, um, Elena is kind of, like, you know, in a position right now where... She's been rejected by her betrothed and it's kind of like the most devastating thing that can happen to someone in a position ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she feels like basically that her life is over in like, in terms of, you know, her usefulness to her family, certainly. And kind of like, you know, she doesn't really think she has any hope of like, you know, reaching the the heights of, you know, marriage and motherhood that she thought she would. So, and she thinks it's all her fault because I don't know if she were more something or other, he wouldn't be gay. Right, obviously,
0: right, of course, well, I mean, again, <laughs> this is the fault of women for
1: not <laughs> not being something or other, yeah, not uh,
0: <laughs> not being a- appealing enough, to... uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's cool is that like she forms this friendship with Danny, mm-hmm. right, but it's like Danny's new to Sunspear. She's still living out Salt Shore, but she, like, came a few months early to help out her mom and bond with her sister, even though I'm pretty sure her mom's been, like, ditching her for the water gardens and her sister's been ignoring her for, like, of things. Yeah. So she's just been, like, in spirit, this, like, angsty 15-year-old. All she can think about is, like, that one family dinner where she kissed her cousin. <laughs> and, like... You know, so she feels very isolated, and then... Elena comes in and she's kind of like forced to hang out with her, but Elena's not stupid by any means. Elena's no. a very smart person. So, like, Danny's interested, and you know, they're like girls hanging out, so they're gonna try to like find commonality. So, they're able to bond in this kind of uh, unique way, but it's not necessarily like a sustainable way.
1: Yeah, because they definitely have different values and. And, like, you know, Alana's got her septa friend Besto tailing her around. <laughs> septa Uneltine, a.k.a. me smushing together two septa-sounding syllables. Uneliatine. <laughs> well, yeah, because we don't
0: understand septa names at all. We should <laughs> try to figure out those naming pragmatics, but...
1: I mean, it's probably something from the Seven-Pointed Star. I mean, it doesn't seem to be the names they're born with, you know?
0: No, it's, you know... Yeah. Taken names. <laughs> but, um, yeah. she's friend Besto because I like the RL so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, Denny and Elena are going to have parallel arcs. Let's let's say that, or like perpendicular arcs, but also parallel arcs.
0: Yeah, Kylie yeah, knows I what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly. I mean, I know exactly where all this is going. And yeah. and you're seeing like you know Elena's arc f- falling into pieces with like Luther flirting with her. Yeah, and you're like, oh god, poor this poor woman. Yeah, it's
1: kind of she's very Charlotte Lucas about Luther. And yeah. And her brother and her dad are kind of awful. Uh, so Uh They're
0: very Mrs. Bennet about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but also very, like, I don't know, stereotypical, like, you know, Chinese moms who are all like, go get married before you're old. <laughs> it's rose. Yeah, but, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is the stereotype. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, you know, if... And He's like the guy for the Gilmore Girls who's just like you know you'll have to give your husband a sweater. Oh right, yeah, right, right, right. they're also like that. In, in other words, they're terrible. Um, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? Uh, have we covered all the POV characters? I mean, we're kind of we uh, haven't talked about Jeremy very much.
0: But. No, I mean. Uh cuz you know Darren's there mm-hmm. uh so Jeremy's his boyfriend and the Dornish are basically like okay it's the prince's boyfriend so let's you know give him a seat on the you know important tables with him and treat him with respect and <laughs> give him a room in his chambers and they're all like what the fuck do we do <laughs> we're closeted no one knows And the Dornish everybody are like, knows
1: uh, but like you know you're not supposed to say it like everybody knows but you're not supposed to talk about it right and, and the
0: Dornish like, this is this is really weird <laughs> Well, and the door to shift—they do this a few times. Like a, um there's there's this old, old, old Lord Florent, and he's like basically raping someone he found in his kitchens. Mm-hmm. I think is what the case is. But this like sixteen year old that he's having sex with. And but they're like, let's just consider her the paramour, whatever, because yeah. his wife is dead. So Deneza like gave her a seat at the table at at his table, and Lord Florent was like screaming at her that like she was even invited yeah. to the dinner, and like the Dornish are not pleased with that situation. Yeah, just to be clear, He might be not. a bit of a Chekhov's gun, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, Deneza does not concern herself with the opinion of child fuckers. She does not. Except she does. She totally does. <laughs> You could tell that she was, like, really upset. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's not a ton to say about Jerry right now. He's had one chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his chapter is basically like, oh, my God, what if they find out?
1: Everybody knows, dude.
0: While all the daughters are like, tell me how you are. <laughs> Hi. And that's not really making him feel comfortable some side of sight. No.
1: Well, Maren chooses the worst possible time to be an ally.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> He so does. He's, like, picking fights to be like, we support gay rights! <laughs> and Jerry's like, please don't. Please don't talk. Please just don't do anything. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, Jerry is also... I mean, Darren is a very typical Targ-privileged ball of assholeness, mm-hmm. And Jerry's like, maybe you should try to be nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, Jeremy definitely brings out the best in Darren, such as it is.
0: And not the other way around
1: yeah he is way better <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but i think i think that's really covering it um mm-hmm. so i don't know any any closing thoughts on where it's going or any any teasers you can give us
1: um well the chapter i'm writing right now is another jeremy chapter um mm-hmm. and yeah um, shit's about to go down <laughs> uh, the wedding is in like four chapters so
0: yeah, yeah. and uh, there's Jerry's chapter and one other chapter are at a place mm-hmm. and things at this place happen. Well,
1: in my notes it's called the field trip of doom.
0: I so. am just so excited for the chapter that comes after Jerry's chapter. Like I'm I I'm shaking in my skin to get to it. I feel it coming. I've already started impromptu gift caps for it, even though all I have is an outline to work with. <laughs> But I impromptu, like, Julia just outlined this thing. Yeah. In bullet points, and I went through and I hyperlinked every single bullet point with a GIF. <laughs> like, that's how exciting it is.
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, a few kind of plot lines are going to intersect into, um, something. That... It can't just
0: be four chapters. It has to be more than that.
1: Well, it's kind of like starting in four chapters. Yeah. No, no, no. Because, yeah. Well, it's starting yeah four chapters chapters after this one is going to be the day of the wedding um
0: i'm so excited i'm so excited yeah
1: so like a couple of like plot lines are going to intersect into something
0: and there's a thing that happens at the wedding that i gift capped ages ago that i finally get to like use. what was that it wasn't really gift you know the gifts we still have the gifts and ramblings
1: yeah Oh, right, that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and yes, this is how we normally communicate with each other. <laughs> uh no, I mean if you are at this point of the podcast and you haven't read her fic
1: <laughs> read it. Like I don't even know.
0: But um mostly thank you for indulging us.
1: Yes, I mean, we kind of... This was this was kind of just for us.
0: Yeah, it so. really was, in this case. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of nice to treat yourself and to indulge sometimes. And I'm going to put it in the feed because I know there's a, at least a few listeners that read. And if you skip this episode and you just skip to the end to see what the fuck we had to say about it, mm-hmm. probably should have front-loaded this, but um, then, you know, really, thank you for listening. We do try to get stuff in the feed. We've been very busy lately, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're still plunging through the retrospectives. We still would like to plan out, like, proper A Song of Ice and Fire podcasts the way we can. Sorry. Yeah. And,
1: you know, there's, there's still a lot of things we really want to talk about. Yeah. So, like, the, like, definitely don't think that we're done talking about A Song of Ice and Fire.
0: Absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, with all the, you know, changes in the geopolitical landscape, like, you just look for... Look for the good stuff, and look for what makes you happy, because you do need to be able to laugh, and you do need to be able to Look feel for the th- sound sometimes.
1: of children singing in the background. <laughs> you need to have children singing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Still going. He's
0: a talented little munchkin. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I I am feeling a little bit calmer about everything. Mm -hmm. Not that there aren't terrifying things that are happening. Not that there aren't hate crimes. Not that there isn't stuff to be scared and to be aware of and to always be paying attention to. But at the end of the day, I think that there is a very good answer that has a very positive future for the country in the long haul. No. I don't advocate having broken the wheel to get to there, but we are where we are and uh listen to what Michael Moore is saying.
1: <laughs> I yeah, it's it was Michael Moore who finally got Kylie to stop panicking.
0: Well, cuz he he's emerging as a leader too. It's it's mm-hmm. fine to have these principles and it's fine to say what needs to be done, but you need people leading the charge and he's stepping up. And Obama is going to step up once he's out of office. This guy is a community organizer and he
1: has And he's an, also a class act. So. He's
0: a class act and he has a legacy to protect. He's yeah. not going anywhere. Michelle Obama is not going anywhere. Like we're going to have answers. Bernie I'm Sanders not sure is where, not going anywhere. I'm not
1: sure where Clinton is going to be. Okay. <sighs>
0: feel so bad for her mm.
1: I don't, was, like.
0: she's a product of the system and but she was exactly what she thought she had to be and it just makes me sick that
1: like, i don't like because people have kind of turned on her since tuesday
0: i don't i don't like that at all i don't i, I that don't
1: like i like i don't like her any less than i did on monday in fact i think i like her a little more
0: i do too than, and yeah. and you know we told her that she couldn't be a woman that showed emotion and she couldn't be a woman that was single and went in mm-hmm. office that was the message she got from us we told her that she couldn't be the wife of a governor in arkansas with her maiden name yeah you know so she's a genuine person there was a picture of of someone who like ran into her walking a dog and they like posted it online and she just looks so like you know real and it's just a shame that you know she had to be this calm technocratic yeah
1: yeah yeah,
0: it's it's just us, us all a shame. It's a shame that people were apathetic enough to stay home. It's a shame that the Democrats weren't in touch at all with what was upsetting anyone. Mm. Yeah, but we are where we are. There's a lot we can learn, and there's a really good path forward, and it's really not the doom and gloom that I think, like, you know, that, that one piece that's like, well, it's the death of democracy everywhere. Bye. Like, mm. No, that's that's not the case. We have a very resilient governmental structure for a
1: reason. Uh, resilient is maybe not the right word. but, Like eh, resilient is too positive for what your governmental system is <laughs> like. Protectionist, really? No, like you know, it's it, it's good. That it probably can't be destroyed in four years by an idiot, but at the same time, there are things that have to change that are just not going to change oh,
0: either. For, oh, for sure. That's another that's so, question. Yeah. But there's things that I think everyone is recognizing on both
1: sides of the aisle. One hopes. Mm. Mm. Nobody, nobody wanted this. That's like, there's like, that's kind of like the impression I'm getting, like as an outsider that there, there are a few like very scary people who stand on bridges in white robes who maybe wanted this, but... Like when you take out the fringe, nobody wanted this. Like the Republican Party didn't want this. I'm not even sure Trump wanted it. So, you know,
0: yeah. Um, and and if you actually listen to Trump voters, they didn't necessarily want it. No. Like most of them are like, yeah, I didn't like him, but you know, I want gonna vote for Hillary. And you're like, well, okay, you didn't have to play it fast and loose with you know people's lives, but to so many Trump voters, it's an abstract. You know. I know it's very little comfort that it's just apathy, it's not malice, but mm-hmm. I will take apathy over malice any day because you can at least reach to people who are apathetic.
1: I mean, like, I I understand, like, you know, as much as I can what Michael Moore was saying about middle America and their baseball hats and everything like that. <laughs> but on the other hand, the people who are saying that the people who did vote for Trump in that context just are completely unaware of their own privilege. And those people, those people have a point, too. Oh yeah, and so, I, I
0: think we shouldn't forget that. But I think what we need to be able to do is have conversations and not just say they're deplorable because mm-hmm. they have privilege, because it's a privilege they really aren't aware of. You have to be. Able but to at open- the same
1: time, you know, if, when you're like you know a trans person of color in the deep south or something like, you know, people saying that to you is. It- probably not going to comfort you and I don't particularly I'm not blame saying,
0: you. No. And that the onus isn't on yeah. them. The onus is on other white people to reach out to family members and have those conversations around the dinner table and not let people get off with it and not let people get away with not understanding why there isn't this visceral fear, which mm-hmm. there is. And I mean, that's, that's you and I important. both felt
1: like we, we kind of um, watched the reduction results together mm-hmm. online <laughs> And we were both, like, talking each other down from panic attacks, like, on multiple occasions during the course of the night. And And
0: it's an an abstract to them, but it can't be mm -hmm. an abstract anymore. And that's not to say that they get off the hook for not understanding. And that, oh, you know, those poor, innocent people. Like, no, they don't make any effort to step outside. But in a lot of ways, they're very disempowered from systems to be able to step outside as well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make... You know, the fact that Trump was courting these very dangerous ideologies and people just didn't care Mm -hmm. any better, but it does mean that there's a path towards communication and the onus, you know, white people really failed bigly in this election and Mm -hmm. the onus is on us, white, white everyone, white men voted in higher percentages, but
1: I know, but like, I kind of expected better. White women in general, I'm sorry. You'd
0: expect women to at least understand oppression and fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would. But they didn't. They just didn't care because, you know, white privilege is the best privilege in this country. It's just how it is. Uh so the onus is on us to make the people in our lives understand, actually understand, and not only engage with the people who agree with us, but get out there and try and make a difference with the family members, with your weird Aunt Marge who is posting shit all through the <laughs> election. Like, talk to her. Do I have to? No, and I actually have a very liberal family, so I'll have to hunt mm-hmm. around for some. I'll have to talk to my coworkers. I think
1: I have that like one uncle, but
0: I, I have I have yeah. a bunch of Trump coworkers that I, I've I've been trying to talk to, but I don't have the language, and now I think I do. So, okay, yeah, you know, it be what it be. Uh, if you wouldn't be,
1: if only Laurie did... could talk to Edgar Ironwood like that. Yeah,
0: uh, you know, <laughs> no one is no one is going to be unaware. I think in our urban centers, there's going to be very strong protests, mm-hmm. and we will be just as steadfast and obstructionist as the GOP was to Obama. We will do that, and even more so, because uh, it's our future that we're fighting for, like the world and stuff, and we're not just retirees and lawn chairs with patriot hats. <laughs> so <laughs> It'll be fine, guys. In the meantime, write fanfic and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. i actually want to tell you a really really sweet story um i was you know having a lot of panic attacks around and after the election uh absolutely knowing i'm still one of the very lucky people to be white but Mm -hmm. as a queer jewish woman there's something a little terrifying about all of this just on any scale and then like you know in, in general personally terrifying terrifying for the people i care about and i was kind of like talking to julia i was like can you just if things get really bad if they start rounding up the jews if they start going after the liberal intellectuals can you find me a canadian wife and julia said if they start doing that i will be your canadian wife and that was just like the most touching thing ever so my thank you is to talk about her fick and embarrass her for the next
1: (laughs) your thank you is to light the fire under the weird shippers we have (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah, she's still straight. Like what? I, we still haven't met each other. A sham marriage. <laughs> it would be it would be show only, but mm-hmm. you know we'd also be married platonically.
1: Yes. Exactly. It'd be like coupleish.
0: We ship ourselves. Like I don't even know what you're playing at. Uh <laughs> Although, uh also before we were both on this call, she was like on, uh okay, Cupid, and I was on Tinder, and we we're just kind of like. <laughs> Like, while while we were talking, we were like, what should we talk about? And we we're just, like, swiping. <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, this is how I react to stress. <laughs> it's like, I want someone new to have sex with. That's going cool. okay,. kick
0: My Tinder, I actually, I'm not looking. I, my Tinder profile is like, I'm really looking for someone to play tennis with me. <laughs> the sex is, like, an added bonus, but mm. the tennis...